If you have your Bible today, we're going to be looking in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, we'll start off in verse number 1. Now, the, we just finished a, a, a series of messages last week on unshakable mission. And so next week we start another series. So today we're just doing a little, a little a special message on a passage of Scripture that I think, or at least a subject that you're going to be very familiar with. And so that's why we're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 1 in a few moments. Uh, whenever I was, a, when I was a kid, one of my favorite games to play was hide-and-go-seek. Now, I know that we are all familiar with that game, you know, like unless you grew up in a cave raised by wolves, but I think everybody here is familiar with the game of hide-and-go-seek. You know, hide-and-go-seek, there's somebody who is, the terminology, he is it. And, you know, so what he'll do is he will count to like a hundred, and then everybody else, they will run and they will hide, right? Some of y'all, y'all familiar with this, correct? Okay, so that's good. There's three of us here that know what's going on, and so you go out and hide, and uh, it doesn't matter where, where you hide, if, if you found a place or not, we all know that when the guy who's it hits 100, you know, it's ready or not, here he comes. Now, in my, uh, my incredible Hall of Fame hide-and-go-seek career, I found, I found some great places to hide. You know, I would hide like in the garbage can. Uh, probably my favorite one was I would get in a pond, and I would get a little straw, and I'd lay down and breathe through the straw. I'm kidding, that didn't happen. Uh, but, you know, I, but hide-and-go-seek, was, it was just a lot of fun, you know, when you are a kid. But you know how the game works, that when you're, if you get tagged, they find you, then you repeat the whole process over again. But re- again, regardless, regardless if you're well-hidden or not, ready or not, here I come. Now, the same thing is true concerning Jesus. Uh, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we, we have been taught, we have grown up believing this, that there is going to be a day when Jesus is going to to return. And, you know, ready or not, here he comes. I mean, we know this because Jesus spoke about it before. He, he told us in John 14, verses 1 through 3, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. He said, in my Father's house there are many rooms or mansions. And he said, and I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, then Jesus said, I will what? He said, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Now, if you grew up in the church, there's a whole lot of us, and we've heard about this before. We say we believe that there is a day when Jesus will return. But here is what I really think about what most of us or many of us are thinking. I think most of us say that we believe that, but not many of us are actually anticipating the return of Jesus. You know, we know that Jesus, like, he's on that count, you know, one to a hundred. And we say, well, you know, right now, I think Jesus is like at five. And so uh, he's, not, he's not really almost ready to come yet. So I think because of that, a lot of us are not really all that ready and all that prepared for the fact that there is coming a day when Jesus is going to come back. And so today in our passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul teaches us some important things. And one thing that he teaches us is that time is not a limitless commodity. I mean, he lets us know there is a day when Jesus will return, and so it's important for us to make sure that we're ready, to make sure that as believers that we are anticipating the return of Jesus. So that that is why we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 today. We're going to start off in verse number 1 in a few moments. Uh, Just a little background information. 
This letter was written to the church in Thessalonica. It's a town of about 200,000 people. Uh, Paul had gone there. He started a church there. And so the, the church was doing well. But then there was, after time, there's some persecution that came on this church. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, and then it starts becoming hard to follow Jesus, you know, people start blackballing you from your job. People become abusive towards you you can imagine that there's going to be some people who are thinking, I don't really you know, know if this is really all that worth it. You know, maybe I want to just sort of drift out of this faith where it's not so hard. And so I, I kind of understand that mindset. So Paul writes here in 1 Thessalonians 5, and I understand you're going through persecution, but remember this. Before you give up, remember there will be a day when Jesus is going to, to come back. Now, he's not here yet. He hasn't come yet, but he's going to come back. And so what we see is Paul gives us some reminders, some things that we need to be reminded of concerning the return of Jesus. So I just want to share a few of them with you that we see in our text today. And the first thing I really believe this, that we need to be reminded of is we do not know how much time we have left. None of us knows this. I mean, if you look with me in verse number, let's see, verse 1. Paul wrote about the times and the seasons, brothers. You do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And when they say peace and security, then sudden destruction comes on them like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Now, Paul starts off here, and if you go back and look at verse 1, he says about the times and the season, brothers, you do not need anything to be written to you. Now, what's he talking about here? What does he mean? Well, when he speaks of times and seasons, this was actually a reference to the return of Jesus to the earth. As in, you know, when will he return? And so that's a question that's been asked for a long time. When's Jesus coming back? People have been asking that question since Jesus left. Now, Paul said nothing new needed to be written about this because he said, you know, Jesus spoke about this. In Matthew 24, 36, Jesus said, Now concerning that day and hour, speaking of his return, he said, No one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, except the Father only. And so Paul said, Listen, I, I don't want you to get so caught up in trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back, that you become useless. And that was already happening in the Thessalonian church. I mean, there were some people in the Thessalonian church who said, we believe Jesus is going to come back. So they said, you know, we're going to quit our jobs. We're going to max out our credit cards. And we're just going to go wait on a hill. And we're going to look and wait for Jesus to come back. And so in the meantime, there were other people at home that had to take care of those people. They had to eat. And so Paul rebuked them for this. As a matter of fact, Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, said, if anyone isn't willing to work, he should not eat. If you don't have that verse underlined in your Bible, this is a good one for your children, you know, as they're growing up. If anyone isn't willing to work, he shouldn't eat. So that, that's sort of like the background of our text. But Satan tells us all through life, enjoy life. Take your time. Have a lot of fun. You've got plenty of time. Uh, you know, whenever we are living, you know, uh, just sort of like on the outside of things that we know God doesn't want us to do, we, we make excuses for that. You know, boys will be boys. 
You know, I'm, I'm, going, I'm eventually going to get everything, I'm going to get everything into order later. And I'm going to be fine. Enjoy life while you can. But, but here's the deal. None of us actually has a clue as to how much time we have left on this earth. If you look back in verse number 2, Paul spoke about the day of the Lord. He said the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. Now before we talk about him coming like a thief in the night, we need to understand what, what is the day of the Lord? What is that? Well, if you look at that in your Bible, it is a time, it will be a time of judgment on this earth. A time of judgment on this earth. So it's going to be a very, a very difficult time. And y'all, it's not going to be a little swat on the hand from God. Y'all get your act together. It's going to be judgment. I mean, we're told in Joel 1.15, a prophetic book, it says, How awful that day will be, for the day of the Lord is near, and it will come as destruction from the divine destroyer. Isaiah 2 tells us it will be a time of destruction when God will pour out his wrath on people. He will pour out his wrath on nations that have stood against him. So it's really easy to get kind of lulled into sleep into thinking that those are things that are going to happen in way off times. It's not anything that we need to worry about. Y'all, again, we have to remember, we don't know how much time we have left. Jesus says when he comes, he will come like a thief in the night. Now, when a thief comes in the night, does, does a thief call the people he's getting ready to rob and say, hey, y'all, I'm going to be there about 2 o'clock this morning? The thief doesn't do that. Well, because he doesn't want to be caught. He's, he's, I mean, if, 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 he, if he gave you a forewarning, you're going to be locked and loaded and ready. And so the example that Paul is giving here, he said when Jesus comes, that's how he's going to come. Now, now there's some things that you can do to, to, to try to prolong your life so that you can live longer. I mean, you can eat right. You can exercise. You can have a, live a life of meaning and serve people. But I want to, I want to, I want to burst your bubble just a little bit. Just because you might do those things, it does not guarantee you one extra second of life. It just doesn't do it. I remember, you remember when uh, jogging became really popular. And so some of you who are my elders remember this, but way back in the 1970s. You know, uh, jogging was very popular. I remember my dad had a book, I think it was like the Complete Runner's Guide. Y'all remember that by, by Jim Fix? Any of y'all ever heard of Jim Fix? Okay, he's the guy, big, big runner, and uh, back in he started running in 1967. He weighed 240 pounds, smoked two packs of cigarettes a day, and said, I need to quit doing this, I need to start exercising. Started running, incredible shape, uh, got down to like 180 pounds, wrote this book, best-selling book, all this stuff. At the age of 52, while he was running, he dropped dead. Massive heart attack. Now, I don't tell you that to discourage you from jogging. I just tell you that to let you know that it does, really when it comes down to it, none of us has a clue as to, to what's going to happen in our lives. Life is very uncertain. James 4.14 says, you do not even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are a little bit of smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Y'all, don't take life for granted. Don't think that you have all the time in the world because you and I do not know. You know, the older I get, the more amazed I am at how it, it really does. It seems like life goes by fast. 
And so the, the, the thing that we need to be reminded of that Paul reminds us is, is this. We don't know how much time we have left. But the second thing that we need to be reminded of is this. Judgment is coming. Yay. Right, y'all, j- y'all, judgment is coming. Now, now look with me in verse number, let's see, verse 3 again. It says, when they say peace and security, then sudden destruction comes on them like labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in the dark, so that this day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We're not of the night or of darkness. Now, the people being written to, they're, they're just like us. You know, they, they just thought, like, like so many of us think, that, that we have time. We think that time is an unlimited commodity. Sometimes we think that we can live like we want to without having to face any kind of consequences whatsoever. But Paul said, understand, there will be a day when God will judge. He said, as the world cries out, peace and security, it says destruction will be coming. Now this text, it's, it's speaking of prophetic events right here. It's speaking of the second coming of Christ when he will show up on this world again and he's going to put everything back into order. He's going to make everything right again. But before he does that, he's going to clean house. And that's what, we're, that's what he's speaking of. Verse number 3, it says, when he comes, he will bring destruction with him. That word destruction, you, you know what it means? It implies everlasting judgment. It's speaking of the separation of God, of man from God, in a place called hell. I mean, we're, we're told this in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10. The coming of the lawless one is based on Satan's working with all kinds of false miracles, signs, and wonders, and with every unrighteous deception among those who are perishing. They perish because they did not accept the love of the truth in order to be saved. Now, now the question is, what, what are we supposed to do? Well, we're, supposed to, we're supposed to believe in the truth. Now, if we're not believing in the truth, then what is it that we are believing in? We are believing in a lie. If we think we've got all the time in the world, that God's going to allow us to do whatever we want without any consequences, guys, we are believing in a lie. Now, so the question is, well, how do we, how do we as, as people who say that we follow God, how do we walk with God and yet, and yet live like the world? How do we, how do we justify that? And I, I see that so much. So I, yeah, I'm a follower of God, but I'll live like I please. And I think we, we do some, you know, some more, I guess, moral gymnastics to pull that one off. And one of the biggest ones I hear is this, and I agree with it, but there's another side of this, is that I can live like I want to and say that I follow Jesus because God is love. God, God loves me. God wants me to be happy. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I do not believe God wants us to be miserable. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But they say God wants me to be happy, and because of that, that means I can live like I want to, make decisions to go any path that I want, any direction I want to go, and it's all going to be okay with God because God loves me. He will condone any of my choices. And that really is a worldview that we have today. Now, if you want to be unpopular really quick, just start talking about the judgment of God. Now, in the Bible right here, it says there will be a day when God will judge the world. And it's not hard to figure out when he talks about judging the world. He is speaking of punishment. Punishment to who? To those who do not follow Jesus. Now, for a lot of people, that's a stunning thought. Because we focus so much on God is a God of love. And he is. But he's just. 
He is also a just God. God, we, we've been told for so long, it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what God you serve. It's all going to come out in the wash. We're all going to end up in the same place anyway. We're all going to be fine. But y'all, if you look in the Bible, that is not what Scripture says. The only ones who avoid the destructive judgment of God, and it's not me, it's the Bible, are those who follow after Jesus. Why? Because when you follow Jesus, you now belong to him. Now, now what does that mean? You know, if, if, we're, if we follow God, we're not going to be overtaken by God's judgment. What does that mean? First Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. It says, we must always thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the, from the beginning, God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel so that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The wrath of God that is coming will pass over those who are followers of Jesus. Now, does that term Passover, does that sound familiar to y'all? And if you go back to the Old Testament, whenever the Hebrews were living, leaving Egyptian captivity, there's the angel of death was going to come for the firstborn, and they were, the people were told, you take the blood of a lamb, remember you wipe it on the doorpost of where you live, and when the death angel comes, if you were covered by that blood, he would pass by you. You remember what Jesus is called in Scripture? He is called the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. And he gave his blood, shed his blood for us, so that when we entrust our lives to him, we are covered by the blood of Jesus, and the wrath of God will pass over us. Isn't that good news? You know, back in the early 1800s, there were some travelers who were going out west, and they had crossed a river, they're going across the plains, and after they'd passed by miles and miles, they looked up and there was, a, there was a grass fire, a prairie fire that was coming towards them. And it's just moving at them at a rapid rate. And there was no way they could get away from it. They couldn't get back to the river. It's too far away. So the leader that was with them said, burn the grass behind us. So they burned the grass. And then he got everybody in their equipment and they went back and they stood on the grass that had already burned. And as the fire came, everybody's like, what in the world are we doing here? And he told them, he said, we are safe here because the fire will not burn where it's already burned before. Guys, let me tell you something. There is a day when God's judgment is coming. And it's going to come. It's going to come when we die or when he returns. I don't know which one is going to come first. But I just know this. If you want to avoid his judgment, you want to stand where judgment has already burned. And that is at the foot of the cross. And so what Paul does is he reminds us of a few things. And you don't know how much time you have left. Judgment's coming. And he says this, be prepared. You need to be ready for it. Look with me in, in verse number, let's see, verse 6. Paul said, so then, we must not sleep like the rest, but we must stay awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we are of the day, we must be sober and put the armor of faith and love on our chest and put on a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, speaking of Christians here, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another. 
and build each other up as you are already doing. Paul says, stay awake. Be, a, be sober, be alert. I mean, think about that. It's like if, you're, if you were driving a car and you decide you're going to take a nap while you're driving, what's going to happen to the car? You're going to run off the road. You're going to get in a wreck. It's going to be an absolute disaster. You can't just put life on cruise control and shut your eyes and expect to get where you want to go. That's why Paul said, keep your eyes open. Because Satan is doing whatever he can in order to distract us, to keep us on the path that God has in mind for us. See, we need to understand, we are in a spiritual war. And it is raging all around us. And yet I see so many people who are taken off of God's path by greed selfishness and anger and bitterness and focusing in on the things of this life, never considering the things of the next life. Understand that Satan puts those obstacles before us in order to get our attention off of him so that he can sink his teeth into us. You know, 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Now let me ask you a question. If a lion is hunting after you, what what are you what are you going to do? You know, if, if a lion if you know a lion is coming after you, I think there's a couple things that we ought to figure out on our own. One, don't wear a meat suit, right? I mean, you know, don't 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 make yourself attractive to the lion that's hunting you. If a lion's hunting you, don't go where he's hanging out. If I know a lion's after me, I'm not going to go for a little walk in the tall grass. I'm going to try to do whatever I can to avoid the places where he is. Now, let me tell you something. If, if we go where we know that lust and anger and self-righteousness is, we're just making ourselves an easy target for the devil. Paul says, don't, don't go where the devil goes. He says, also, put on protective gear. That makes sense to me. I mean, if you look in, in verse number 8, he tells us, put on the armor of faith and love on our chest and put on the helmet of salvation. You know, obviously, whenever you go into battle, one thing you want to have on is you want to have protective gear on. You know, you want to have something that is going to cover your chest because that, that's where your heart is. It is the pump house of life. And you want to protect your heart. Jesus told us this. He said, you want to protect your heart. I mean, Matthew six twenty one. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. How do we guard the heart? We place our faith in God. We, we love Him so much that, that we say we're going to be obedient to His instructions. You know, the devil is going, to, is going to put up obstacles before us to keep us from going down the path that God has given us in His Word. Paul says you also want to cover your head with a helmet. Why do you want to cover your head with a helmet? This is, this is, man, this houses the... You know, the decision-making of everything, every choice you make, the brain is so important that you protect it. So Paul says you want to make sure that you put on a helmet that will protect your head. He's, you want to take every thought captive for Christ. So how do I do that? How do I put on a helmet of salvation? Fix your eyes on the salvation that Jesus offers. And if we keep our eyes on the end result, it will temper our desire for the temporary that Satan offers. You know, it's a, it's a whole lot easier for me to avoid eating a hot dog lunch if I know that 45 minutes later 
that somebody's taking me to Ruth's Chris. You know, I don't want to mess that up. God offers us a steak dinner. Forgiveness. Life after this one. He, he gives us the message that transforms the hearts of people. He, get, he offers us a steak dinner. Make sure you're not settling for a hot dog lunch. See, my hope is that you see that Jesus is coming back. And I think there's a lot of us, and we just sort of buy into the lie that we have all the time in the world that we can make we can, we can make things right with God, you know, right before the end. Paul says there's some things you need to be reminded of. He says you don't know how much time you have left. So judgment is coming. And he says be prepared. Now, now whenever you take time to examine where you are, you could come to the conclusion, I'm not ready. I want you to be ready. So what do I need to do to get ready? You come to the Lord and you say, Jesus, I will give myself to you because I believe you're coming again and I want to be prepared. So what I'd like for us to do is I'd just like for us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And a very basic doctrine and theology that we have and that has gone throughout the, the history of mankind is that Jesus is coming again. And if you'd like to be ready for that day, then just where you're seated, I just want to encourage you, you can call out to God in prayer and just simply say to him, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are coming again. I want to be ready. And so Jesus, I am confessing my sins to you today. Forgive me of my sinfulness. Thank you for dying on the cross for me for conquering death save me now if you prayed that prayer then I, I just want to encourage you to let us know you know I say this just about every week you take your bulletin out you fill out that contact form check that line says I commit my life to Jesus and you can tear that form out and there's two boxes right by the back doors you can slip that paper in that box so we can get you some information in the mail about growing in a relationship with Jesus for others of us who are believers Guys, it's time, it's time to be awake. We are in a spiritual war. And Jesus is going to come back. And of all people, we need to be ready. We need to be living in light of his return so that we can be an influence on the people around us. We need to live with a sense of urgency. I don't know when Jesus is coming. He's going to come back in physical form for us first, or He's going to come back for us in death. Let's be ready. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for Your Word. We're grateful for the hope that You give us in Jesus. Lord, there will be a day when You will return. And so we collectively, as a group of believers today, acknowledge and recognize that you're coming back. God, may we be a church, a group of people that live like we're ready. And I pray this in Jesus' name.